welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, please stick around, listen. It should be pretty good uh, if it's if you're returning. Well, thanks for returning. We always appreciate your time. We will try to do our best to make sure that it's worth your time. Uh, and today I have my brother. We have been working on our Guidos Bros stuff. As a matter of fact, we just got done. We've been actually hanging out for probably a good hour or more already. And uh, uh, we've just been you know, trying to put some stuff together. So, uh, you know, our hope was to try to get it out by about now. But we're a little behind schedule. You know, it's it's the way that life works. Uh, we're both dads and we we both have jobs and life and stuff like that. So, um, but he's here today. So I got my brother, Jason, and we are going to roll into a topic that uh, we want to, we, we actually decided we wanted to talk a little bit about you know, the, the, the power of local influence versus like national influence. And we want to take a look at, you know, where, where is you know, your time best serving you, your family, your friends, uh, your, um, uh, your, your nation, like, how is it that, you know, you, how do we decide what to look at? Do we look at the local stuff that impacts us in terms of time, energy, and resources? Do we look at the national stuff that also affects our time, energy, and resources? And so we're just going to really try to dig into that a little bit and see, uh, you know, kind of what it is that we know, but also probably test each other out a little bit. And so I'm going to start off with a question that I have for my brother. Uh, You know, know, obviously within the framework of you've got limited time, energy, and resources, you've got a family, you've got all these things going on in your world. How do you decide what to pay attention to when it comes to the news and stuff like that? I, um, I look at trends or, or things that kind of repeat in the different news sources. So if I see a story about, you know, let's say story A, and I see it on one uh, one news source, and I see story A on another and another. Then I might I might start focusing on that a little bit just to see where the perspectives are. If, if I don't see it on on at least two or more, then I tend not to worry about it too much because that's where maybe those those news source biases maybe lean, and it's a little less relevant to me. But since most of them focus on the national. Uh, I, I just try to scrape together what I can so that I'm kind of in the know on it, even if I don't fully understand it or, or maybe I don't have the time to research it, to form an opinion. At least I have some basic knowledge of it, but what I do have is on my news dropdown, let's say on my desktop is I have my county and city news pages also there. So I have my, my national ones and then, and then I also have my local ones. So I click on those at least once a week since they don't update them as much. The national ones are daily, right? And so that's what I kind of look for the trends, but the other ones I look at weekly. So I'll look at the county pages and the city pages and just see, Hey, what's going on? What's going on in the farming world or what's going on in the county um, with roads and and park openings and park closures or whatever's going on uh, because that's 
that's what's relevant to me. So that's kind yeah. of the the quick summary. Okay, that's interesting. There's a couple of things that come out there. One, by following the trends, there's a certain amount of lemming nature to it that you know you're you're going to get the highlights that other people want you to get. Right? Mm-hmm. The the louder they are, the more it's going to be likely that it comes across your purview. I I think that is um unfortunately just the world that we live in today where there's a a percentage of our uh, time and energy is going to go to what others want us to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it, but that also leads to a couple of issues. Uh, one that I see right off the bat is what about the really, really important stuff that whoever they are, they don't want you to see or people out there. Maybe there's, there's some people who want you to see it, but then there's others who purposely block it. Like they try not to put it on their platforms. Mm -hmm. If it starts to trend, they start to, you know, diminish its value. Like that stuff happens. So blind spots Mm -hmm. uh, become a big concern for me there. Another area of concern I have is what you just described to a degree is your echo chamber, right? You, you know, you may have a balanced echo chamber, but it's still an echo chamber of sorts. Mm-hmm. We can't totally get away from the echo chamber. My audience out there has, uh, has heard me talk about the echo chamber multiple times. And that's the idea of us just going to what, to hear what we want to hear. And, you know, obviously you put some things in place so that, you know, you've got some national stuff, some local stuff. And, and the result of that is you're going to hear some of the things that, you know, you may, you know, it's not just because you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You're purposely doing a, a line between the national and the local. Mm-hmm. But, the, but then the thing that it reminds me of more than anything is Grandma PJ. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because she, I don't know how many times I've heard this story of like, uh, you know, it goes something like, the river is flowing way faster than I'm going to be able to swim. And I'm swimming and I'm trying to catch as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. way more is going to get by me than I'm going to be able to catch. Mm-hmm. And that that leaves us in that weird predicament because right now there's, you know, from from a cultural lens, information is coming faster than ever. Right. The news cycle used to be there was the weekly news, then there was the daily news. And then, you know, now there's the hourly news. Mm -hmm. Right. The news cycle is getting faster, faster and faster, which means there's more information and there's computers that help us contain information. So we could store 10 billion articles Mm -hmm. that we would never have the time to go back and read. Mm -hmm. And so. I mean, when you're looking at it and going, okay, with all of these changes of speed, how are we going to continue to filter and talk about things that are relevant and important? How do we do that? Well, I mean, I guess I don't, I I don't think there is an answer to that because the, the cop-out answer would be to surround yourself or become a member of a community that all has a similar, I guess, uh, viewpoint on something, not, maybe not, uh, maybe I phrased that wrong, more or less they, the community interests align in some way, right? So let's say you have 
uh, school age children. So you're going to be a member of a community that also has school age children. And there's going to be relevance to anything that is related to school age children um, with regards to activities or uh, sports or education or something like that. Right. So that's kind of your community. But the problem with that is whatever community you're a part of, it creates that, that echo chamber that you said in the same way um, that, that your news sources might. Right. And so if you're seeking the news that's relevant to you, then you're part of a community that also has the same relevance then you're all you're doing is you're bouncing off of multiple walls like that old Atari tank game, right? And you're just trying to figure out which way is the perfect angle to get it to where you want to go. So the the reason I guess I started with talking about how I'm looking for trends is because I want to see what's relevant to all of them. But at the same time, I'm seeing which news uh, agencies are omitting certain stories that other ones are are picking up. Because there's there's also gold in the omission of certain yeah. things. And so yeah. that's how that's how I get that. So like if I have four websites pulled up, so let's say I have my four nationals right here. So I have two that skew one way and I have two that skew the other way, right? And they each skew in different ways. So I can see what's relevant to all of them. And then like the Supreme Court stuff. That was on all of them across the board. So that was a trend where you can say, okay, they all care about it. They all have their own perspectives of certain rulings, right? But then there's other stories where one will have it and one won't have any. So one source will pick up something in Ukraine and another won't talk about Ukraine at all. Is, Is it relevant to find out what's going on in Ukraine or is the lack of uh the story in the other one is that more relevant because how does ukraine affect me i have to make that decision right yeah so how yeah that's so that's, that's, that's interesting that's, so that's how yeah. i do it it takes work because you have to find out these people are telling you a story then you have to actively go and see okay what's going on that they're not telling you and you have to go outside the media to get that information yeah. And that becomes more challenging and takes more resources, resource of time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, okay, so you brought up the uh, Supreme Court stuff and I, I'm not going to venture into any particular topic. I just recently did a podcast on uh, one of the issues, um, but I do want to highlight something. We are hearing about maybe three or four of the Supreme Court decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think there was like 40 or something like that. Like there was a whole bunch, but the media doesn't grab onto all of them. How many people in this, in this country, how many people listening to our podcast right now don't realize that there was well over, you know, 20 uh, decisions made? How many people think that there really only was like four or five decisions made by the Supreme Court in the last year? If you were to pull a thousand people from 10 of our largest cities, I would say that less than this many in each city would know. Yeah, that freaking boggles my mind because that's all public record. 
That's all. Like we can all get in there. I'll pull it up real quick. And for those of you who okay. don't know, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, sorry, I have to do it this way. 13, you're all going to listen to me count. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, and I'm about halfway through. So 27, and I'm pretty close to the halfway point, right? Like I just literally just counted to 27 in a podcast. How awesome is that? Let's just say that for a second. Pretty but, cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, three my cubed, math skills. Just for fun. <laughs> yep, three cubed. Just for you, um, but, but here's the thing: like okay. we, we don't we don't hear about those, right? So what you're saying, I think, is actually a really valid and important point that I want to hit home. We got to look for what's not being said, because if if there's you know forty some issues that go to the Supreme Court, we're talking about some of the most challenging legal issues in the nation for that year, the most difficult decisions to make. That's why they get to the Supreme court. Most issues get filtered out long before that. Should we not know what those are? Um, Okay. Yes. And no. So here's, here's, here's my answer to that particular question, which probably isn't an answer, um, but it's going to work for now. And that is, yes, we should know that there are others and be aware that some of those do impact certain uh, areas or sectors, geographical locations or uh, businesses or whatever it is. We should know that. But should we get into the weeds on all of them? No, because each ruling is 100 to 400 pages long. And how many people have time to read that when they can't even read a full article, get past the headline. So this is, so this is where, this is where I, my, my answer to this is it's, it's about your active involvement, not your passive involvement with regards to what you're being shown. And gotcha. So, so that's where I say, okay, yes, we should, we should know of those court cases. We should know everything about all of them. We should know that they exist and we should have a cursory knowledge of maybe what they surrounded. So this is the beauty, man. They give us a damn summary. It's Correct. literally like a chapter. Like, you know, it takes 30 seconds to read the summary of the case. Mm-hmm. I would think we should at least know that there's more than five things that were just debated. Right. We should at least know that. And we, you know, I think maybe I, I, I hope and pray I'm wrong, but I'm with you. I think out of a thousand people, maybe five would realize there was more than five or 10 cases. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that right there is a problem for me, because when I think about when, like as a counselor, one of the things that I do is, you know, I, I'm uncovering blind spots for people, not mm-hmm. really for people. I'm helping them look around in the space that they're in and go, wow, I didn't look at it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so they, they see it for themselves, but oftentimes I have to point to it. Mm -hmm. Well, we, there are some things we shouldn't have to point to. Like the Supreme court does a lot of cases every year, not just five. 
Mm-hmm. That should be common knowledge as a citizen, as somebody within the culture. But it's right. not. It's just not. So like that is a problem for me. Now, I love your point that, you know, you, you look, you, you got to filter through and say, is this pertinent in my world? Is this pertinent in my world? Is this pertinent? Because some people are going to take up issues that have really, in my world, no impact. But to be uninformed is problematic, right? To have no idea, like that, that may be the worst scenario because it makes it makes people more susceptible. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll put it like this. I'll put it in clinical terms. If I have somebody who routinely ends up being a victim, like over and over, like way more than is normal, you know, whether that be something like somebody was, was raped 14 times, I'm asking myself some questions. Mm -hmm. I start with number one is, do they know what it means to be raped? Not because I'm saying they weren't, Mm -hmm. But because I have to ask that question of like, maybe they're using the term differently. Mm -hmm. So when I say, so then I'll say something like, okay, when you use this word, I know what I I think that means, but I want to understand what rape means to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and then they, they clarify that and I go, okay, well, they know what that means. (laughs) And then I Mm -hmm. go, okay. So if that's the problem, um, if that's not the problem, then why would they, have so much more than is ordinary. Like one should be more than is ordinary. Mm-hmm. We happen to know it's like one in four, one in five women, uh, you know, at this point, uh, encounter some kind of a, a rape or molestation. And for men, um, it's actually like one in eight, one in nine, which is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that it's that high for men, mm-hmm. uh, but it is. And so, what we what we have is, is a situation where, all right, um, you know, so here's let me tell you a little bit what happened just a second ago. We had an intruder into our podcast time. So uh, for those of you who noticed that there was a weird gap right there, hey, we apologize. And we're going to try to pick up, but let's be real. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I did a little editing and where we are now. Is we're in a totally different place at the moment. So we're going to try to pick up from where we left off, but chances are you're going to notice a little jump. Um, yeah. I, I know we were talking about, you know, looking at, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the reality that people need to look for what is not being said also, but we don't want to get stuck putting all of our time, energy, and our resources into something that we have no influence. In. And right. so, it does bring up a, another question I have for you. How do we manage that while also making sure we don't segregate? I'm using that word on purpose based on interest. Like in the past, we looked at segregation based on color of skin or segregation based on economic status. How do we look at these, these issues without segregating based on interest? So that we have well-rounded, like knowledgeable people, we don't get pigeonholed into one or two things and be unable to talk intelligently about anything outside of that one or two little bubbles. I don't know if I have an answer to this uh, because that's that's really hard to do because we are good 
at certain things and we have a natural affinity to care about certain things that are that are in our our daily world i guess but i guess it would be if i tried to answer it it would be you got to have people around you that challenge you people that push you and question some of your things right because because if they're not going to challenge you then then all they're going to do is reaffirm your thoughts on certain things over and over again. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're talking about purposely adding friction. You have to, because you, yes, you have to have that. So, so that's good. I I agree. And from a clinical lens, the way that that plays out, I tell Mm -hmm. people on day one, when they come and see me, uh, you know, I just, I just saw a brand new client this, this morning. And one of the things I said to him, I said, Hey, look, here's the deal. Uh, my role in your world is, is not to make you comfortable. Matter of fact, oftentimes my role is to actually make you uncomfortable, not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to Mm -hmm. make you uncomfortable. What that does is it creates opportunity for you to decide new things, to make new steps, to take, to take things um, that are new coming at you and make what we call progress. That's correct. Why we do that. What was it that that coach? What is it that coach Bailey always told us? Do you remember? Uh, He told us a lot of things, man. Slow is fast, (laughs) but I mean, that's the Marines too, but um, it uh, out of adversity comes greatness. Yeah. And and it's that friction that you need. You need that struggle. You need, you need to, you need to bat 200 for a week in order to figure out how to bat 400 for a week, because you got to figure out what's, what are you doing wrong while you're batting 200? That'll allow you to bat 400. You got it. So you have, you have to have that struggle and that fight. Yeah. That's the learning part of the process. Correct. Yeah. But, but now like, what do we got to do? And like, I mean, this is the big question for me. Mm-hmm. What do we have to do to get, to encourage people to actually embrace the right struggles? Because obviously we don't want to struggle just for the hell of struggling. Like you don't like that's dumb, right? But to embrace the right struggles, the ones that are going to grow us, we, we right now, I, I mean, I feel like uh, it, Many times, you know, I see it in my practice. Many times people are afraid of the struggle. They're working so hard for comfort that they're, they're literally just avoiding something that makes them uncomfortable to turn around and avoid the next thing that makes them uncomfortable to avoid mm-hmm. the next thing. And that really truly is, is harmful. Like that, that is harming them. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we help and encourage people, my audience, uh, to, to, to embrace the struggle when it comes to processing this, this, this stuff that's coming out of, out, you know, at us so fast. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know because you, you don't want to seek conflict even though you need it mm-hmm. in certain ways. Because you don't want it to become over emotional where you start breaking families apart and, and relationships that you have that are important to you. 
Um, but you also, you, you need them to lovingly ask you why, ask you to, to explain your thoughts on certain things. Right. And, and you, you need that. The reason I use the term lovingly is, is, is intentional because, because it, it can't come with judgment because they could be right and wrong at the same time because they don't have all the knowledge. They can only tell you what they think based on the knowledge they have. And, and so then you're not trying to guide them in a way. You're trying to help them guide themselves, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're the, you're the yep. lighthouse saying I'm, I'm a rock and I'm here. Um, don't come this way, but figure out where you need to go. But this is bad, right? This is land. And so watch out, right? It's, yeah. it's like, okay, but, but find your own way. I'm not telling you where to go. I'm not telling you, you must think this, but, but tell me why it is you think that. And then let's talk about, like, it just seems like if people would just, just stop judging, open up, listen, you know, and then you could really figure out what's relevant to you going back to how we started the conversation and you will avoid those rabbit holes that pigeonhole you There's two animal references, but those <laughs> rabbit holes that pigeonhole you into a very constrained, narrow path of thought that you can't escape from because you're like the Colorado river digging a, a trench that all you do is you look around and you're like, well, I guess the whole world is this wall. You're like, no, this is just one Canyon in a huge world that you need to explore, but you don't have the time for, but you need to get out of that thing. At least see that there's other things out there that are relevant. And so you can't be hyper-national. You can't be hyper-local. You have to have a flavor of both and you have to have the people in your life that that push you to, I don't say verify, but push you to justify why it is you think that, but then not judge you and say, okay, cool. This is what I think. Let's look together. Let's figure this out together. There's somewhere there's yeah. an answer for, for us. We just don't know what it is yet. You know? So, you, you know, it's funny. That's a good wrap. Um, we're going to wrap up here in just a second, but I want to, I want to, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this. You know who Carl Rogers is? nope he's a psychology guy so it's the it's the theoretical approach which i uh chose for my dissertation when i was uh, in grad school was the he there's there's three titles for it it all means the same thing but it's it's uh, rogerian therapy there's uh you know person-centered or client-centered it all means the same thing but he identified three components that are essential for for growth and development in, in terms of clinical work. One is the relationship because we were designed and are designed to be in relationship. So we have to have people there that challenge us, but also love us and care about us. All right. So the relationship um, two is unconditional positive regard, which means don't judge. Like okay. I, I don't use my judgment scale to judge you. What I use to judge you is your judgment scale. What that means is I take, you know, I take into consideration your past. So what you've told me about your past, your present and your hopes and fears for tomorrow, 
all into account when I think about whatever it is that you're sharing with me. Mm -hmm. So if you tell me, you know, I, I yelled at my kid the other day and I feel really, really bad. And I go, well, let's think about this in the past. You've done worse than just yell at your kids. You spanked your kid and you felt pretty bad about doing that. Um, not because it was illegal, but just because you didn't want to be that guy, that dad mm -hmm. or something. Right. And so, you know, the fact that you yelled at them probably reminds you of that. And what you wanted to move to, you've told me is you wanted to be better tomorrow than you were today. Well, you feel like this is a step back. Mm -hmm. I'm using your scale, not mine. Right. I, you know, right, on right, my right. side, I could be like, yeah. Dude, you're an idiot. You shouldn't be doing that and all that stuff in my own head, but it doesn't matter. My, my internal uh, judgment scale is irrelevant when it comes to your life. Cause I don't have to live your life. So that would be uh, unconditional positive regard. I'm just going to take you as you are and mm -hmm. as you want to be mm -hmm. with your, your, uh, your linear uh, life uh, pathway. And then, then the third component is empathy which Carl Rogers was smart in, in a lot of ways, you know, he's smart beyond what we even maybe realized early on. He's, he's always been pretty well respected in the profession, but empathy is a therapeutic term for love. That's what it is. It's attempting to see the world as if you're somebody else, but without taking on their baggage as if it's your own. So that's the separation between you and me but with the attempt to see your past, your present, your future through that lens. Hmm. I know I'm kind of nerding out here, but he did say two other things that were really important. He said, you're more believable when you are congruent than when you are incongruent. So we should always be working toward congruence. And in the, in the clinical world, very much like in the math world, I'm sure your mind went right to congruent. It, it means, it just means in line. When we say one thing and we live it out, we then are more believable. So like I could tell you, like right here, I could say, I'm an a-hole and you're going to believe me more about everything that I tell you if it pans out that I actually am an a-hole. Mm -hmm. Then if I say I'm a nice guy and I routinely am an a-hole, because that would be incongruent. You would believe me less about all the things that I say. Right. So um, what you're describing there, it, it easily lines up to like, we need to, we need to do that when we're researching too. When we're looking at these, these cultural feeds coming our way, we need to not judge, but assess, assess mm -hmm. based on the scale that's put in front of us. That's why anybody who doesn't uh, take a look at what the messenger wants to say is mm -hmm. probably an idiot right right you right. know as as my normal my my 16 weeks of you're the problem would say is you're the problem if you can't tell that there is an agenda there what you're doing is you're missing the slant you're not empathizing you're looking for an echo chamber mm -hmm. and that's a problem that's what, that's how we would end up in a segregation of interests, which is what we're doing right now in our culture. And it's really sad. Um, yeah. So, all right. That was, there was a whole lot at the end. I didn't expect it to be so much for those of you who stuck around. Thank you so much. Hey, we apologize for the little glitch in the middle. If you noticed it, which I'm sure you did because I announced it. Why? Because we're not about perfection here at healthy perspectives. We're about growth. We're about getting better. We're about gaining perspective and improvement. So 
if you saw that, if you witnessed that, hey, thanks for your patience and sticking with us. Hopefully this was a good use of your time and come back and join us. Like, subscribe, do all those things. We appreciate you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.